The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. You can help support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tier. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 or above level for the month of May. I Rebel, Jem McKay, Dan Wagner, Kirsten Cardinal, Jed Winters, and Christopher Valenzi. The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. So Mike, I finally got my vaccine about a week ago before we uh, before we recorded, so I couldn't talk about it then. Um, but uh, it brought back memories because uh, if you might not know this, but I never get the flu shot anymore. Like since I finished since I finished school, because I have a pretty good immune system. Uh, I mean, not not against COVID, but like against the basic uh, the basic flu. I, I just figured I'll, I'll just deal with it. And I never get I never get the flu anyway. Maybe once a year, and it's always during the summer, which is not the flu season, <laughs> which just makes me mad. Um, but anyway, it brought back a huge nostalgic like feeling that I hadn't had in probably close to fifteen years. Uh, remember when you used to, have to like, when you used to get your flu shot and you'd go to school and make sure no one knows that you got the flu shot because your arm hurt like hell and you didn't want like people used to hit you like people used to hit me when they knew that I got the flu shot. Did did people do that to you? Because it brought back a memory for me of just the soreness of having a needle. Yeah, I think the I I think I learned pretty fast like you. I think the first time I was like to other kids like, "Look, I got whether it was a flu shot or meningitis or whatever the the stuff was uh, that heroin. you get heroin shots <laughs> right in the arm there. Uh, you know, you you go to your like other like third grade friends and they're like, "Look, look what I got." And then they immediately they just punch you in the arm and yeah. you're hurting for days. Yeah. So yeah. you learn pretty fast. <laughs> you got to hide it and like don't show any soreness, like don't show any loss of mobility even though you can't move your arm at all. Like I got the, uh, the I got the Pfizer shot in case anybody wants to know, and uh, I could I couldn't move my arm more than uh, forty five degrees up. That was my side effect, but uh, I toughed it through because I didn't want my dad to punch me when I wasn't looking. <laughs> That's important, Neil. It's important for your dad not to punch you. It's also important for your dad not to give away. Your magic cards, and mm. that's going to lead into a topic that we have from Irabel, uh, our patron who wrote in uh, this week to for an opening topic. Sweet, yeah. Irabel writes in on Patreon, just like you can, listeners. If you support us at the five dollar or above level, you can submit an opening topic for Mike and I to cover. Irabel says, "Hey guys, for this month, since I'm addicted to it this past week, I would like to suggest you guys talk about Magic: The Gathering. What is your history with it? Thoughts on it? Have you tried Arena yet? If not," When are you going to join the dark side and come on board? Anyways, keep up the great work. So, Mike, Magic the Gathering. We haven't really ever talked about Magic the Gathering on this show. Uh, do you have any sort of a history with this game? Well, so I have a, a very, very minor history, but it's mostly through our friend, uh, friend of the show, Dan. Uh, and uh, But I do have, uh, I know a lot of stories from other people. And I said the dad thing, throwing out your <laughs> Magic cards, because uh, a friend of mine, I remember in middle school, he uh, lost all his magic cards because his dad threw them out uh, because I think 
uh, I think they were like what a couple of them were damaged or they were in like a moldy area or something like that. I remember it was in his basement, and so he his dad threw his Yu-Gi-Oh cards and his Magic cards, mm. uh, and I just remember him coming to school and he was like very very <laughs> upset, oh, which is um and which is you know a tough one. Another memory I have about Magic uh, the Gathering is um I once was biking. This is years ago. I was biking. Uh, I think it was when I was in London. And someone left a binder of Magic the Gathering cards out in the rain. Oh. <laughs> I always get weirded out when I see playing or trading cards in the rain. I don't know why. There's just a part of me that feels very sad by it. Because, I was like, very sad. You know, even though I don't collect Magic cards, I, I know the value of them. I, I always look for them at pawn shops or um, or thrift, thrift stores or garage sales because... You never know who's mm-hmm. throwing out what, and I know some of them go for hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars. So to see those cards wasting away in the rain is definitely sad, Neil. Well, if it's wasting away in the rain, the odds are it's not worth anything. But like anytime I see that face down Magic: The Gathering card, or even like I recognize the back of every single trading card, the big ones like Magic: The Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon. Like when you see one of those on the ground, you kind of like it's almost like finding money for a second because you and I are both collectors and we're, we have our, our uh, finger on the pulse with, with this, the whole community of people that play these games. And some of these cards are worth a lot of money. So like if you see a card face down, I'll go look at it. Cause I know like what, what some of the cards are worth and w- which cards are rare uh, with magic, the gathering, I don't know quite as much, but like if it's a Pokemon card on the ground, if that's a Charizard, I'm picking it up. <laughs> <laughs> I do know yeah. that Ma- I do know that magic, the gathering, like the really expensive card is the black Lotus. I think is the name of it, and it's uh, it's sold for like forty grand at, at, at oh its peak. God. That's at its peak. Um, I don't exactly know what it does. I'm really sorry. We I don't know much about the game or how it's played or the rules. It's mainly just us watching our friends play it, and it's very obtuse if you don't know what's going on. Now you do have experience with actually getting into Magic for like a very short period of time. <laughs> yeah, like a month. Uh, I got into it uh, in 2013, if I remember correctly. I was in school at the time and looking for something to do and I was just like Magic the Gathering was was huge uh, with our friends and I wanted to give it a shot and uh, I live not too far away from a card store that sells Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic the Gathering so I I spoke to to our friend Dan and uh, he took me to uh, the store's called Teddy and Me. Love Teddy and Me. Love yeah, it. Yeah, super nostalgic for Teddy and Me. Uh, and uh, the uh, the card guy, or what do you call the person that works at Teddy and Me? <laughs> Your card bookie. <laughs> the card man at the, uh, the, at the table, the glass table, uh, sold me this starter set that came with a bunch of packs and cards and... Uh, and I don't remember what the name of the, the box was. I'm sorry. Uh, but Dan, you know, he, he was nice enough to show me the ropes and taught me about mana and uh, the cards that I had. And he even gave me a few cards, I think, which a couple of weeks later, I, uh, I I tried the game a few times. I played some games. They basically walked me through every single game and I didn't know what was going on. So eventually I just said, this is this is not for me. <laughs> um, you know, uh, the games, they're, they're long, but they're, I mean, I loved Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon growing up, but I just, yeah, something, about, something about Magic the Gathering just didn't quite hook me. I think it's just, it was so complex. And I just kept on hearing about the prices that they were spending on some of their decks. It's just, I needed money for school and for other things. So there was that too. So I eventually ended up selling that set I gave Dan back his cards, but then I sold my cards and uh, mm-hmm. retired from Magic the Gathering about one month after I started. Retired on top. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. I was undefeated. Yeah. Re- retired on top. It's as old as we are now, eh? Magic the Gathering released in 1993 by uh, Wizards of the Coast, which is now owned by Hasbro. So wow. it's it's an old game. It's actually considered one of the first, if not the first trading card game, which, I mean, 
mean, we know trading card games as Pokemon, but Magic came came before that, obviously. So it's getting up there. Won a, it's won a ton of awards, too, over the years. Like, every single year, it wins some kind of tabletop game award. And obviously still relevant with um, Magic the Gathering Arena, which is kind of the the video game uh, version mm-hmm. of, of the game. Uh, I have not played that and honestly don't know much about it. And Neil, I'm assuming you as well. No, I don't. I know a bit about trading card video games, which is an interesting genre of games that we won't cover much on this show because there aren't any. If I'm, I, there, I guess there's some Yu-Gi-Oh games on GameCube that are kind of card based, and then there's that uh, the bit. Digimon game that we we covered. But yeah, I mean, that's there's, not... there, no, yeah, there's card based RPGs like Bat and Katos and uh, and whatnot. But like, there's the Pokemon trading card game on Game Boy, which was actually very big uh, back yeah. in the day. I played a Yu-Gi-Oh one on my Game Boy Advance, so that that's just another just. And I know that the card trading games on uh, iOS on phones that there's also a huge market for that too. Again, that's just another type of game that is so I'm just so disconnected from, but is huge. Like you can make a ton of money on these virtual card battle games on on consoles. Yep. No, definitely. Yeah, sweet. Well, thank you so much, Irabel, for that topic. Uh, I mean, I wish that we knew more about Magic the Gathering, but uh, alas, not today. Let's move on to our next Patreon topic of the day, which comes from Christopher Valenzi. I'm sorry if I'm not saying that name correctly. Christopher says, if you haven't done this yet, what's your favorite obscure game? Obscure being hard to find or otherwise very limited in public knowledge. Uh, an example would be Dogs on the on the GBA or Ribbit King on PS2 and GameCube, which we already covered. And Christopher actually says that's the episode that he found us on while looking for the soundtrack on Spotify. So uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Christopher, for uh, looking for this, uh, looking for the Ribbit King soundtrack that day and finding us instead. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, people find our podcast in all sorts of ways, and I, I love that they do. And I can start, Neil, for sure. weird, obscure, just hard to find, or just games that no one knows about. Um, Go for it. I've got a, I've got three here. Uh, my number one would be Westward. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of Westward before, but it is a kind of like a, a Wild West sim, uh, but like a like a city building um, sim almost. Okay. Uh, you're you're trying to build up the town. You're trying to go through each town and kind of make a living and stay alive. You have to, uh, you know, get sheriff, get a sheriff, get some deputies, uh, fight off bandits, uh, okay. make some money from the log mills, stuff so like it's that. A, so, so it's a Sim City, but set in the Western era. Like yeah, Red Dead, like Red Dead and, and Sim City had a baby. <laughs> yeah, or like, yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, Civ style as well. It's it's all that kind mm. of style, right, uh, of gameplay. Um, and I, I, I don't know, something about that game, I, I love it so much. I You actually can't buy it on Steam in Canada, Uh-oh. which really pisses me off because I really want to <laughs> buy that game. Uh, I might just like torrent it or something or yeah. find it somewhere. But uh, it's it's such a nostalgic game for me. Huh. I'm looking at it right now. I've never heard of this before. And it's like, it's a series. Like it's, it's I never played two, three or four, but, Mm. uh, but one, I played a lot. I'm not sure how I got into it or why I played it. Probably got the cereal box or something. (laughs) <laughs> that's what i think right but yeah i love that game uh the other two are polar bowler not sure if you remember this one I neil do I th- was, didn't the game grumps play that game or something polar i hope I... they did because my did. dad would play this game uh for whatever reason uh i would find him downstairs on some nights he would just be playing polar bowler like while watching like the hockey game or something and <laughs> on... i got into it like when i was you know probably eight or nine years old <laughs> okay so this was a windows game okay it's also on ds yeah. that's the game i'm thinking of the ds version 
I'm sure okay. they're basically the same. I'm a hundred percent sure they're the same. <laughs> what's the what's the what's the development and budget the, towards Polar Bowler? <laughs> and the last one is a Treasure Mountain, uh, and this one I think is more of a Canadian game, so Canadian kids would have good nostalgia for this, but maybe others as well. I honestly don't know. Uh, this was like an educational game that was put out by the learning company, uh, not okay. TLC, the the channel, uh, <laughs> which would have been hilarious. Don't go chasing but, waterfalls. <laughs> or TLC, the, the band. Uh, but no, uh, it's uh, 1990. It's like a math kind of game. Mm. Uh, it's part of the Super Solver series. Just look this up. It might trip some crazy nostalgia for you it did for me when i was looking up some obscure games to talk about and uh yeah hmm. <laughs> interesting I, is that set in the same universe as the math circus game <laughs> it really should be but unfortunately it's not it'd be great if all the math games were somehow related in some way that would be awesome <laughs> it's 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 weird seeing like footage of games like this because you get like you know you get like a deja vu nostalgia for some stuff but other things you get like a deep nostalgia you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's like yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's a weird we just feeling. To, I just talked about upfront getting nostalgic for flu shots. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> what are, what are your uh, what are your uh, some of your obscure games that that uh, you want to talk about? Yeah, for sure. Mine are all going to be console games since I was not a gigantic PC nerd like you were when you were a kid. Um, <laughs> yeah, with these with these <laughs> they, they need a lot of RAM to run. Yep. <laughs> I need a really good processor to run Polar Bowler. You can't play this on your dad's laptop, kids. <laughs> All right. So uh, I have three obscure games here. Uh, one that I own, one that I'm looking for, and then uh, one on the GameCube, since this is a GameCube podcast, we promise. Uh, an obscure game that I have on the PSP is, uh, I don't know if this is obscure or not, but I've never seen it or heard anybody talk about it. It's called Snoopy and the Red Baron. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, I know that game. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like I don't hear about it enough. That's a and good like, game. It's a great game. It's a dogfighting, like, simulating game. It's a great flight sim, actually. And it's set in the Peanuts universe where, where Snoopy, you know, fighting the Red Baron like he did in the comics and the cartoon. <laughs> and it has levels. It's almost like the Star Fox levels where you're doing dogfighting. And I asked it for my birthday for, I forget what year, but I wanted it on PSP. And my sister got it for me, surprisingly. I, I, I think she went to Game Horde in Brampton or something. But uh, she picked that one up, and I played it to death. I think that's a great game. It's also on PS2, not on GameCube, unfortunately. Uh, A game that I'm looking for, another handheld game, a game that we both love on console, Mike, Nightfire, but on the Game Boy Advance. I don't think a lot of people know that Nightfire had a GBA version. Yeah, that's like the holy grail for us. We've been looking for that probably since 2003. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I didn't know know it existed until just a couple years ago. Okay, Um, fair. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I mean, we play... You know, hundreds, thousands of hours of Nightfire on GameCube. It's also on PS2, Legendary uh, multiplayer and campaign. I, I know it's going to be bad on GBA. I just oh, want to yeah. play it. You know, I know. I just want to see what they came up with <laughs> to make this. Like, there aren't very many James Bond games on handhelds, and like even there's on a PS- reason for that. Yeah, exactly. And there aren't many first-person shooters on Game Boy Advance, so it's just like this weird Venn diagram of this will never be made again. And I really <laughs> want to find a copy someday. Josh, friend of the show from the Still Loading Podcast, hasn't has a boxed copy of it, and I'm super jealous of him for that. <laughs> and then the last game I want to talk about is an obscure GameCube game. Is a game that I talk about as often as I possibly can, and that is Godzilla Destroys All Monsters Melee for the GameCube. Uh, <laughs> if you're just jumping into our show late, uh, go back and check out our wrestling episode where we talk about Godzilla Destroys All Monsters. It didn't. Do, I don't think it sold super well. It's basically a wrestling game, but with Godzilla monsters. 
Uh, you can play as like Mecha Godzilla, Godzilla, the 1999 <laughs> Matthew Broderick Godzilla. You can play as like five different Godzillas. Yeah, basically, basically five different Godzillas, and then it's the a Godzilla uh, sim. Yeah, basically, and, and you can like destroy buildings and like just it's a stupid fun wrestling game, but highly recommend folks out there pick it up. There's the obvious obscure games out there that we could talk about on GameCube, which we've already talked about, like Cubivore and Go Go Hyper Grind and Eternal Darkness. Still makes a lot of those lists, but uh, we wanted to talk about some games here that mean mean something to uh, to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so thank you very much, uh, Christopher, for that for writing in, and thank you to all our patrons uh, in the month of May for writing in opening topics. It's been a lot of fun to cover them. Yeah, definitely, and we're just about to get into June, so if you are supporting us on Patreon at the $5 or above level, please feel free to DM us on Patreon or Instagram, and we'll throw them into any of the episodes in that month. We also have our other segment of the show. Mike, do we have a, uh, a write-in today for the mailbag? Uh, for the Mailbag! <laughs> From Tara from Instagram oh. or Tara, I'm 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 sorry. I I, I have a friend uh, Tara who I say Tara and uh, I, I mix it up. It's bad. Tara and Marty's uh, Marty's girlfriend is Kara who came on the show and I remember it's not Kara, it's Kara because it's Caroline. You know, it's a like Caroline mm. Kara. So okay. I need Taraline. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline from Instagram, from middle, <laughs> uh, who is uh, from the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, uh, she says, um, huge fan of your podcast. I discovered it as I decided to start building up my personal GameCube collection again. I make long commutes daily and out of curiosity uh, and doubt, I decided to search GameCube in my podcast app. And to my surprise, I found your podcast completely dedicated to the GameCube. This is my most favorite uh, console from my childhood. And this podcast is a great way to spend drive time. Keep up the good work and keep me in mind for the episode discussing one of the strangest and most played games in my childhood, Chibi Robo. Oh, another. That's actually another obscure. That's a good obscure game. I was yeah. gonna say Tara or Tara and Christopher should uh, talk about that game later. That is a good obscure game. Only sold at Walmart, if I'm correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very very strange. I thought Tara was gonna take a different approach and say, you know, she she's doing a lot of commuting and was looking for a way to play GameCube games on the bus. And I was really <laughs> looking forward to hearing what that meant because. It is portable, but only to a point. And that's 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 like the third or fourth person who said that they've uh, looked for a GameCube podcast, assuming they're like, "Oh, this no one's <laughs> no one's going to take the time to do this." <laughs> we will. <laughs> we'll do it if no one else will. We'll do it. We'll do it for fifty-one straight <laughs> weeks, ladies and gentlemen, because this is episode fifty-one of the GameCube was cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet, and we're here to look back on all five hundred and fifty-five North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes twelve by twelve. So far, we have covered two hundred and fifty-two games. Some of the launch games we've actually covered twice. Visit thegamecubewascool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. That's me. That's you. If you would like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon. We are The GameCube Was Cool. Every dollar helps us grow the show, but supporters at the $5 or above level get their names read in the credits and the option to submit an opening topic or question for the show. If you're looking for a free way to support the show, you can leave us a five-star rating and share us with your friends and family. Then you can follow us on Instagram. We are at The GameCube Pod. Last week, we redid our very first episode. We covered five games from the GameCube launch. We decided to do over our very first episode, basically. This week, we are covering outdoor hunting games and fishing games because I think we decided to do this because the weather's getting nice and it's time to do some outdoor games, basically. Yeah, basically. I think I think it was a good time for it. Uh, these games, you know, right up front, we have not played these games. Uh, we played uh, similar games in arcades over the years or mm-hmm. at bars. <laughs> yeah. But 
never on consoles. No, I actually have. After call, I feel bad for calling you a gigantic PC nerd because I actually played <laughs> a game on PC as a kid. It was called Deer Hunter Five. I'm just looking it up right now. I have no idea how we got it. I think we just, you know, you just end up with PC games as a kid. Like, <laughs> you really do. <laughs> they just, you just like lift up your couch. You've got a PC game under there somewhere. Um, but this was one of the games that was in our shoebox of PC games, and uh, so this is what I thought was was Cabela uh, for a while, which are the games that we're going to be covering today, a bunch of Cabela games and some uh, bass fishing games. So hunting sims are actually a pretty big market. I mean, like the interesting thing about hunting games, Mike, is you never see them at like E3, you know? <laughs> and and you really should, right? <laughs> no, it, it's it's true. It, it, it's It's quite a big market. Uh, and some are done really, really well, especially mm-hmm. the hunting games. I, I think we're going to get into this um, in this episode. But the fishing games are usually not as well done as the hunting ones are, and uh, fishing often takes a backseat and ends up being in a lot of other, you know, open world games instead of having their own games. Yeah, a standalone fishing game for me is like why. I mean, like there, there's fishing in other games, which is when it's fun. I can, I guess, I can understand why you would like a fishing video game. It is relaxing, but it gets to a point where I just, I'll just go fishing you know like it's not that hard of an activity to get into uh i'm excited to talk about the only two fishing games on the gamecube today there were only two compared to the like a dozen on ps2 or something like that um yeah and there were there were fishing games before this obviously as well um the one as soon as i saw this cover i got like nostalgic vibes i don't think i ever played it but i think someone i knew uh owned this game and it was uh bass masters 2000 for the n64 okay was it you did you own it no 100 no, percent. No. <laughs> <laughs> just the cover i saw it, i'm like whoa i know this cover why do i know this cover because it's the same pdf of a trout on every single cover <laughs> <laughs> or a bass i guess they're all the same cover every everyone yeah. you look at is a fisherman in blue jeans and a red vest and a fish being caught by a hook what else can you do i suppose <laughs> what else can you do uh but yeah fishing games in general so, kind of interesting uh my friend mike i know uh mm. i'm not allowed to have uh, a friend named mike neil no, i'm sorry can't allow it well mike and you know we're part of the council of mikes uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like that josh and, thing that happened a few weeks ago where all those joshes fought, fought to be uh to see who would be crowned <laughs> the, the only josh the only josh the one true josh uh, and so this one true mike he he uh i talked to him because he's actually an avid fisherman um and he loves fishing always has and uh he actually actually does a lot of ice fishing too which is really cool something i would love to do one day but uh he said yes most fishing games for the consoles are really bad uh somehow uh red dead redemption has great fishing probably better fishing than all the other ones hmm. uh sea of thieves also great I'll also say modern fishing games on mobile are pretty good, but they are all pay to win. So unplayable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> might as well just do it in real life. I was going to say, you have to pay to fish too. So you might as well just do that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, thanks Mike for, uh, <laughs> for giving some insight into those fishing games. Uh, but speaking of those games, let's start off with our first one on, on the docket here, Neil. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Let's start with Top Angler, which was released on January 1st, 2003. Let's stop right there. This game released on a day where everything is closed. <laughs> <laughs> New, Year, New Year's Day. Uh, this is why. Why in this generation did people just forget about like release dates? 
I don't know. It doesn't seem to have happened too much before or after. It's just this generation. Everyone was just like, okay, let's release something on December 28th. Yeah. <laughs> or January 1st, <laughs> apparently, when no retail stores are open, f- f- from what I can remember. I mean, this was a time when there were no games released in the summer. I get that fishing is probably best to be released around the summer, but not January 1st. I don't know what the... Why? What... Why? I don't know. That's that's That's... I have to get to the rest of this, was developed by (laughs) SIMS or Sims, not to be, they don't make the Sims games, don't be confused. It's published by uh, SICAT, X-I-C-A-T, I I don't know if I'm saying that right, Interactive and Sims also helped publish the game. It's also on PS2, Uh, prices today on GameCube at minimum $40, the fishing games are not cheap, Uh, this game rates a 5 out of 10. Yeah, this, um, first of all, this might be the one of the smallest Wikipedia pages I've ever seen. Oh yeah, it's just the the name, and I don't even think I got the developer and publisher from that page, I think I had to go (laughs) to actual books to find it. (laughs) This game looks awful, Uh, I'm sorry, just, you know... It does not look... I'm no seasoned virtual fishing veteran, but I can tell whether a game is terrible or not, and this one is definitely terrible. What's interesting is that the developers, SIMS, didn't stop making fishing games. They actually just released uh, a fishing game on PS4 and Switch uh, called Legendary Fishing. I believe it was in 2018 or 2017, not long after the Switch came out. They released another... So they're still still making fishing games. this game didn't stop them, apparently. But I know what you're saying. Like, th- th- I mean, this game came out. This is the first fishing game on the GameCube. Came out one year and about two months after the the launch of the system. So, a bit removed. Um, but but at this point in the in in the console's life, we've had a few games where the water physics look incredible. Like we've had uh, Wave Race can't come out at launch right away. Th- this game looks like an N64 game, but a bad one. Like, it's just, it looks terrible. Like, the textures are non-existent. It's dark. I I don't know what about this game would appeal to anybody. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it, the, the, water, the water effects aren't, like, that bad. You know, it's somewhat decent for its time, and there's a lot of attention to detail in the actual game itself, but it's, uh, one, one thing that really caught me off guard i'm not sure if it it did the same for you neil when you were watching gameplay Mm -hmm. but um it's the music uh the music is really weird it's like this upbeat piano music that feels like you're in some speakeasy in like the 30s (laughs) or something it's it's so strange uh it, it it completely took me out of the experience you know because fishing is about peace and quiet that's the reason you fish plain and simple why why are you putting this like jangly piano music <laughs> and then is, is this the, the one i can't remember now i've watched so many fishing games this week it's making me sick but <laughs> is this the one that uh when you do catch a fish and you're reeling them in the the music intensifies and sort of becomes oh, like a not a rock song but a little bit more intense you know i think that's the other one but you're yeah. I'm, i i am getting them mixed up right now <laughs> they're, they're blurring together so i don't have too much else to say about this game shall we read the back of the case and start talking about the the next fishing game uh, yeah, the only thing I just wanted to say is that the fish AI is really bad. The camera is extremely wonky. Um, you don't really have any control uh, in this game at all. It's it's really, really frustrating to play. And the UI, uh, it's, it uses that meme font. I think it's impact. Okay. everywhere which i just it just makes it so i can't take take it seriously at all uh and ign gave this game a 3.9 out of 10 at the time so yeah take that as you will wow i mean that was back when ign explored the scale as we like to say 
And I, I just think that fishing games, just looking at them right now, I don't know why they'd be fun to play with a controller. Like, I think that at home, they definitely hit their stride with the Wii, where you could use the Wiimote as a as a remote or as a, a rod. Uh, not, not to say that it made the games infinitely better, but at least made them feel a little bit more interactive. And they also had, like, peripherals that you could play in the arcades, too, which I remember arcade fishing games at Palladium, which had, like, a fishing rod you could use, and they would pull... And like, so it felt like you had a fish on the rod, which was, which was neat. Um, but playing mm-hmm. it with a GameCube controller, I don't know why you'd want to. Yeah, I, uh, I feel the same way. All right, let's read the back of the case. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Video anglers, get ready to reel in the big one. These monster bass are back. Did it really just call us video anglers? All right. We're video anglers. We're video, apparently. Innovative split-screen mode shows who's winning the fight. Over 30 real lures to use in multiple levels and modes. Brilliant effects and graphics bring bass fishing to life. <sighs> yep. unfortunately yep let's move on to the next game for today which is mark davis pro bass challenge was released on september 20th 2005 the game was developed by sims sims and it was published by natsume this game is also on playstation 2 and prices between ten dollars and 25 dollars making it slightly more affordable than the first one however it is not much better it rates about a two out of five or four out of ten to do the math for you so again another subpar fishing experience on the gamecube However, this game is endorsed by the greatest fisherman of all time, in my opinion, Mark Davis. So I I I don't know Mark Davis, but I know Bob Azumi. I think his name is. He was he was on uh, after Sports Center on mm. on weekends. <laughs> they always had his show on. They always have fishing early, like afternoon weekends. Uh, mm. I, I don't know what it is about that, or like eleven a.m. Uh, during the day, it's when all the boomers the, were were smoking that pot, you know, that's when they would wanted to just watch some fish. How can you watch fishing on TV? I, you know what? I get it. I get it. I, I get it. I actually get it. Yeah. If you're into, because it's if you're into something, uh-huh. you know, anything is interesting in that topic. I suppose. So I get it. People listen to our show, so I mean, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why would you seek out a GameCube podcast? Jeez. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, uh, the game is actually narrated. I just want to talk about Mark Davis. The game is actually narrated by Mark Davis, so they got him to come on and and voice, do some VO for the game, which is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have to do anything. (laughs) (laughs) His name is on the box, and I guess it sold the game enough. Uh, This is technically the Tony Hawk of uh, fishing games. He really is the Tony Hawk of of fishing games, and I obviously want to just talk about Natsume really quickly, so... uh, they are pretty famous for, well, most famous for the Harvest Moon games, hmm. which we are going to be talking about in a couple of weeks. And we're going to have a special guest on for that, Neil. So Ooh, stay tuned. It's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also do a lot of other fishing games like uh, Real Fishing, which I know is, was very popular for the Wii. That's I actually, when I when we were doing this, the, this fishing uh, and hunting episode, I thought that Real Fishing might have had a prequel or something on the GameCube. So... It's a little unfortunate, but yeah, like you're you're right, like you said, for top angler, uh, it, it it would it's much more fun on those um, consoles where you have some motion. For once, we actually endorse motion controls. <laughs> yeah, for a fishing game, for sure. I mean, sports games in general. Like I know that a lot of them took a hit on Wii. Like you know, we lost all the Fifas and the Maddens and whatnot. But I mean, like it is fun to have like the Wii sports games and the the fishing games and bowling. That yeah. was it was a novelty f- for sure. It's nice having the option to have motion controls. Mm-hmm. 
definitely. I just can't believe that these games, these fishing games on GameCube were two years apart, almost two and a half years apart in total. And they really didn't improve at all on the <laughs> graphics. I think it's the same engine. It's the only difference is from Top Angler is this one's endorsed by Mark Davis. Yeah, I think it's the same engine. The gameplay is definitely better in Mark Davis Pro Bass Challenge. After reading reviews, watching gameplay, I I can and like watching fish fishermen actually play this game. Uh, Mark Davis Pro Bass Challenge is miles better than Top Angler. Mm. Uh, you actually have some control. In, okay. In this one, where Top Angler, you really didn't at all. Uh, but important to note, this is a port of the PS2 version. Um, PS2 version came out early 2003, and this came out in 2005. So over two years later, uh, and having a GameCube game come out in 2005, uh, when it could have come out in 2003, was very strange considering the console at this point was, you know, dying right. pretty fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's... It's quite a boring game to watch. I had, I was, uh, <laughs> it was not too fun to watch some of the gameplay. I've never met anybody who even likes to play these games. I'd love it if anybody could could write into us on Instagram or, or anywhere where you can yeah, find us. Yeah, please call us out. Yeah, and, and say these games are great. We will read your comment on the next episode. I want to hear some defense of these fishing games because, I mean, we've covered a lot of games at this point, and I've always been able to find something enjoyable about the game, <laughs> you know, like or something. Like I can see somebody liking this. And I, I actually like fishing. I did a lot of fishing as a kid, you know, at cottages in, in Ontario. Uh, fishing is just something you do. And I loved it. But in terms of just how it translates to these video games specifically, didn't do a great job of, of doing that. And I know that there are some great fishing games, like the PlayStation 2 had a bunch of fishing games, and a lot of them are, are fairly well reviewed. And even today, we still get fishing games on mm-hmm. PC, PS4. So obviously, people are buying them. So if you're listening to this and you enjoy top angler or mark davis or any other fishing game please let us know why in the comments and we would love to hear from you i do have a couple more things to to talk about with this game before we move on to some of the hunting games on the list cool uh it's so this game is actually a sequel to mark davis's the fishing master mm. on snes which also scored well actually it scored even worse ratings uh, <laughs> oh, no. just abysmal but it has become a cult classic in the minds of many due to its difficulty level and attention to detail about lures and weather effects, hmm. uh, which I thought was was pretty cool. Um, okay. And I think that says a lot about these games in general, that they're never going to score high for critics, uh, but it's all about what you like. You know, if a game like this brings you joy, then it's a 10 out of 10, yeah. no matter what. I hope this game does bring people joy because that's what video games <laughs> is all about. And I'd love to be proven wrong. But uh... another fun thing is that uh, it is for PS2 and GameCube, like we said, um, but there are a couple of boxes that seem to be floating around there that have the only four in the corner, and oh. these boxes don't seem to be PAL, so I don't know what's going on there. Huh. Uh, that's an interesting one. We'll have to do some more, more, even more in-depth research. I did some, but I couldn't find the answer, so. And just a couple of comments on the game itself. It, it's actually, like I said before, it is very in-depth, especially in the practice mode. Uh, where the game does shine you can actually choose your season uh your start time your your weather your condition and the world and the fish change based on that so that's probably what i would just do i would just be in like practice mode the entire time all right well if if nobody if nobody writes in and you're screaming on the bus or in your car because we're trashing your favorite genre of video game we're sorry (laughs) but it sounds like that the practice mode of your favorite video game is worth 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 a damn (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) all right let's uh let's read the back of the case and we'll move on to some hunting games mike what do you say let's do it All right, Mark Davis, Pro Bass Challenge, a grand slam of a bass game. That's a baseball pun. Mark Davis is the only pro angler to ever win both the Bass Angler of the Year and the Bass Masters Classic of the same year. 
This game's educational. Compete in various tournaments as you work your way to the top and compete against the fishing master himself, Mark Davis. Strive to improve your ranking as you unlock all the latest tackle equipment. Do you have what it takes to be the best? I don't. I I definitely don't think I do. Now, now. So, Mike, let's move on to uh, something that maybe we do have what it takes to be the best. Let's transition now to hunting games. Sounds good. So, uh, joining us today is Marty Thompson, friend of the show, Marty, who's been on many times before and uh, has always had some interesting insight into... uh, (laughs) He's here today to talk about Disney sports skateboarding. (laughs) Once again. (laughs) And the question for you, Marty, is... How many ducks do you think you could fight before they overpower you? I would say three. Wow. Three. That's not like, a lot. I, I feel, well, I feel like, no, well. They're coming, they're coming at you at once. They're not coming at you one at a time. Like, it's not like that they're like bad guys in a cartoon that like are nice enough to let you, you know, they fight you one at a time. You know, you've seen movies. Uh, but <laughs> this is like all the ducks are just swarming you like, like Alf, Alfred Hitchcock's birds. Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking I could get, you could get one good strike in, like mm-hmm. hopefully knock one down and then you're only dealing with two at the same time. And then I feel like that's like a little bit more manageable with four. I just feel like it would be too much. Like, you know, you'd get too, you know, you, you would, you would get too overwhelmed. You see my strategy with ducks and the Canadian goose is actually a better example with this is that you knock one out and then you use that knocked out one as a weapon where the Canadian goose comes with its own handlebar. Uh, it's got the neck. With the duck, it's a little more tough. Their their necks are a little shorter, but I think you can get a good grab on one. And their bodies are plump, yeah. so like you can get some good leverage just knocking the out of those other ducks uh, with the one. And just start just start winging it around. Yes, oh, wing it around your head. Just helicopter that duck to knock out the other one. So if you're using that as a tactic, I think you can easily double, if not triple, that that three duck count. Yeah, see, I, I would I would say I could probably do around that too. See, uh, Canada goose. If you're gonna talk about Canada goose, I would say one max, and yeah. and even then, that goose could take me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt, <laughs> they are scary. They are scarier than bears. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna say that right now. They're the most terrifying Canadian animal, and unfortunately, you cannot hunt the Canadian goose in Canada. It's illegal to kill them, which is it's the one animal that everybody wants to kill. <laughs> well, you you can kill them with a with a with a license. Can you? Can. Oh, because I've because I've been there. I've never I've never actually shot one, but I've been there when they've been shot. You see, Marty, this is uh, why we brought you on the show today because you know all about hunting, and we need to talk about some hunting video games. Now, are there any Canadian goose hunting video games? That's a great. It would be too lazy. Like it would be quite literally like duck hunt, but you're looking up. <laughs> like for for con- for context for for shooting geese you typically want to sit in like sort of like a low area so like a ditch kind of mm-hmm. like a and then you just yeah yeah pretty much because that's the kicker is that you also want to be facing up mm-hmm. so being in a ditch kind of like allows you to be like facing upwards right right and you just let those bad boys fly over you so it would be like it would be like duck hunt but yeah directly up into the sky <laughs> mm, okay I think that that would sell one copy for every Canadian out there if you just put out a Canadian goose hunting sim. All right, let's introduce the, the Cabela's series right now then, and we'll we'll talk about the series as a whole. So I'm going to introduce all three games. Does that sound good? Let's do it. All right, cool. Starting with Cabela's Big Game Hunter 2005 Adventures, which was released on December 9th, 2004. This game was developed by Magic Wand Productions. It's published by Activision. It's also on Windows, Xbox, PlayStation 2, Game Boy Advance, what? And Xbox 360. (laughs) 
Uh, this game is around $15 today and rates a 6 out of 10. And then we had Cabela's Outdoor Adventures. This game came out on September 13th, 2005. Again, by Magic Wand Productions. This game is published by Activision and Zoo Digital Publishing. It's also on PlayStation 2, Xbox, and Windows. This game is around $20 and again rates a 6 out of 10. And then we had my personal favorite, Cabela's Dangerous Hunts 2, which came out on November 16th, 2005 same year as the previous game, developed by Magic Wand Productions, published by Activision, also on PS2, Xbox, and Windows. This game is about $15, and again, a 6 out of 10. So these games are all consistently okay. Yeah, and that uh, last one is a very generous rating, I will say that, but we will talk (laughs) about that a little later in the show. First of all, I just want to talk about hunting games in general, Neil. um, Hunting games are an interesting genre because, for me... I just have only experienced hunting games in a bar, really. You mm. know, playing Big Buck Hunter or whatever. We did that in Cleveland. Sure. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. We were playing yeah. that, uh, that, that drink, uh, all you can drink for $20 bar. <laughs> yeah. The Eagle Ridge Cafe, if I remember correctly. It was like basically Palladium for beer, where they give you like this card with like X amount of dollars on it that you want. I'm basically promoting this bar that may not exist anymore. <laughs> but they gave you like this Palladium card with X amount of dollars, and you just scan the keg that you want. And then you, you know, pour your beer and then your balance on your little credit card there diminishes as you pour beer. And it was, yeah, all you can drink, which is hilarious. And they had this little uh, buck hunter game set up, which you and I played, which came, you know, with the shotgun, of course, and you shoot the deer on screen or the turkeys. If you're feeling adventurous, you can shoot a turkey as well. But yeah, that, that's kind of my only experience with, with hunting games. Other than that, there's just the hunting elements of other games, which is where hunting really lives and, and breathes today is like it's kind of a part of other games like uh, like tomb raider or even breath of the wild had some hunting or a more well-known recent game is red dead redemption 2 Mm -hmm. and we will uh talk about that a lot very soon marty i know you what you're itching to talk about some rdr of course of course (laughs) but for cabela itself um uh neil i'm sure you have a lot of information about cabela just in general you want to talk about that yeah, sure. So Cabela, first of all, I didn't really know what Cabela was because we live in Canada and I don't think that we have Cabela stores here. Do you guys know if there are any in Canada at all? I don't think so. Unless Bass Pro Shop says Cabela's in front of it, I don't, which it does not. It does not. No. We oh, have... oh it, yeah. Well, it is. Okay. Yeah, that's it. So Cabela's Canada uh, does run the Bass Pro Shops. Ah, so we have Bass Pro Shops in Canada. That's kind of more the, the hunting and fishing store that we go to. So when I saw Cabela Games on the shelf, I, th- I didn't know what the heck it meant. I figured it was a name, and it is. Cabela, the store, was founded by Richard N. Cabela in 1961 uh, in Sydney, Nebraska. And uh, obviously a ton of hunting stores, uh, gear and outerwear and whatnot. Anytime you see people wearing camo, they probably got it from a Cabela or a Bass Pro Shop. Uh, but they jumped into video games, and uh, the video games themselves over the last few years have, uh, since 1999, I believe was the first one, Cabela Deer Hunter. Um, it's, uh, there's 15 games in the series and as well as a bunch of other spinoffs. So there's games like the deer hunt series. There's the four by four off-road series, um, the ultimate deer hunter series. And then there's a bunch of random spinoffs like trivia, bass fishing, and African safari games, which look incredibly fun. <laughs> so there's actually uh, 45 games total, Neil, from oh, 1998 sorry. to 2018, which is just insane. Wow. And this is my favorite stat between 2000 and 2005. There were 20 Cabela hunting games released. 20 in five years. Wow. 
Jeez. Yeah, they flooded the market with these games, man. And they're on all the consoles like PS2, PSP, PS3, Game Boy Advance, GameCube, Wii, Wii U, Xbox, Xbox 360, Game Boy Advance. Literally every console. Like the, yeah. the fact that they're on Game Boy Advance is just like are you really do you really need to play your hunting game? On, on the on, bus. On the bus, yeah. <laughs> no, you're yeah. doing it in the tree stand. Got to stay, got to stay sharp. Got to stay sharp of playing course. Cabela on Game Boy Advance. I want to know how many copies that game sold. But yeah, I mean, these games on GameCube—they're an interesting, interesting series for sure. Yeah, Cabela games also have mostly gone away since 2013. Uh, we did recently get Cabela's The Hunt Championship Edition in 2018, but uh, other than that. Cabela games just really aren't a thing anymore. Um, mm-hmm. What's really interesting is that the first game uh, in a series is usually heralded as a classic or at least a decent game, right? You know, and that's why the series continues in the first place. But for Cabela's Big Game Hunter, which is the first uh, game from 1999, I believe, like you said, Neil, mm-hmm. uh, it got horrible reviews. And yeah. um, like everyone hated it basically when it came out. But somehow, uh, it, uh, you know, it spawned 45 other games. And so it's one of those things where if you find your niche market, you know, and you build on that, you can create this this empire of, of gaming, really. Looking at these titles and finally looking at these, um, looking at the front of the boxes, sorry, I know I maybe skipped ahead there. I've definitely played at least one, if not maybe two of these games. Um, and like maybe my theory as to why they would continue to keep making them is like, it was such an easy gift for people to give like either kids uh, who were like exposed to hunting growing up or like the dads, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yep. what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it was, it was that like, and you could see these games like look the exact same. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, no, just put another one on the Walmart shelf. Cause they were also like, I, I also recall these games being somewhat inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Like they'd be like 25 or $30 at EB games. So that's another thing you're like, yeah, no, this is like a cheap game, but then you like open it and it's just horrible. <laughs> it also had a little bit of a resurgence too. I think with the Wii with motion controls, we, yes. we talked a little bit about fishing games being fun on the Wii. Cause you have basically the Wii mode as your rod. This one came with like the, Wii. I remember I specifically remember the Cabela's box Wii game that came with kind of like a gun attachment, which Making it like a light gun game is like the arcade experience kind of, which like Mike and I talked about is the way to play these games is in an arcade with a gun and you could do that at home now. So I think that that was a perfect gift to give a teenager or a a dad, like you said, um, who is into an outdoorsy person, try to get them into video games. It seems like a good buy, especially if it's not 60 to $90 brand new. Mm -hmm. There, there, There are two ways you can do these games. One is you're bang on like the arcadey thing and that may be what you would think on first instinct would make the most sense Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. but the other like the other way you go about it is doing like a a realism element i had a game called deer hunter 4 Mm. that I, i think was i don't think this is associated with cabela's i could be wrong but there was a there was a series of like deer hunter games for pc that were way more like like just straight up simulations like you would have to, you know, you could pick where you spawned on the map. You could pick what you were dropped with. So you, if you knew you were hunting like deer, you'd want to bring like, an, and like if you had a buck tag, you need to bring like a rattler, like all that, yeah. like all that stuff, right? You need to like pack all of it and plan it out, which is like, which I ended up playing that game, spoiler alert, like 
maybe 15,000 times more than I played the game that you, well, these games, like quite literally, I, you, they, they plop you down and they're like, there's a huge bear, shoot it now. (laughs) And then you shoot it and it's like, congratulations, you shot it. Yeah. That's not hunting. No, I know exactly what you mean. And we actually talked about deer hunter at the top of the episode there, because I played deer hunter five as a kid. And you're the first person ever that I've met that has actually played another one of those games other than me. (laughs) I have no memory of how we got it. I think we just got it for Christmas one year or something like that. But yeah, it was a good hunting experience like you had to did you like it i did like i remember hunting deer and like you had to clunk together like deer antlers because deer are attracted to that i guess so it did have some element of realism and you had to be quiet and like you had to like you said use specific weapons to hunt specific animals so it did have a fair bit of realism to it and then even it looked good i mean it was on pc so i guess that's why it had pretty pretty good graphics for the time these Cabela games on GameCube, at least, and maybe some P. I'm sure the PS2 version is very similar. They don't look very good. Like, <laughs> no, I'm I'm wondering if they weren't if it if they weren't capable capable of doing open world. I I don't think yeah because so what's no. interesting is that um so Magic Wand Productions uh they are the ones who did the all the GameCube versions and I'm not sure if they did all the PC versions either. They did it for 2005 Adventures, but I don't think the other ones. And so they actually had different developers do different consoles, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think you're right, Marty, where they kind of didn't have, they weren't sure what the capabilities were of a lot of these consoles. And so they couldn't fully make that open world style that you see in, you know, a long dark, for example. So yeah, that falls flat in that aspect. The only other part was like, you would want to have multiple maps, right? Yes. Like in D- in Deer Hunter 5 and 4, like there was maybe like, over half a dozen maps like and it was different parts right like it just like it that's that has to be included right mm-hmm. so as soon as you strip that element away if you can't to do that then they, yeah. they did eventually get into that sort of thing like like with cabela uh which one is it now the cabela big game hunter 2005 like they had different terrains that you could visit like there was it was very basic it was like forest marsh desert prairie mountain tundra you know the different animals on those different different terrains but then eventually as they progressed to uh dangerous hunt 2 you would go to different countries uh, like Alaska. I know it's a state, but you go to Alaska, uh, India, Africa, Australia, Siberia. But again, it's not very open world. I think it's just like a very small map in those countries. Yeah. And you can fight or fight. You, <laughs> I mean, technically, you can fight <laughs> animals in those countries. Um, that is the thing about these games is that it never really feels like you're hunting the animals per se. It is very much like a drop and you're close to the animals to begin with. So and it gets, that was a great like Freudian slip where you said fight. <laughs> yes, it does just feel like well, it's Mortal Kombat. It does. Like, <laughs> they, they were getting, I think they just around this time, they were starting to figure out that they just need to make these games arcadey and weird. And even like to the, I think the latest one is one of the African adventure games. And I was watching gameplay of it and I've seen Mike play Just Cause. And it was basically that. Like you're, <laughs> you're like running after antelope in a Jeep and like shooting from the car. And it just looks out of control. Like the car flips, like it's moon physics driving it's so weird and the animals just are flying around everywhere like it just looks insanely like just stupid fun and that's great but like you can't market it as a hunting sim if that's what you're gonna do so so neil did when you played deer hunter 5 Mm -hmm. did did you was there a was there an exploit that you used to shoot a lot of animals I don't think so. I didn't really get into cheats yet. I, I played the game when I was really young, so I just played the game as it was, and I was just hunting turkeys and rabbits and, and deer, basically. It seems like you did, Marty. See, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was trying to get at. Okay. So in so in in so there was one 
there was one map that had a giant lake in the middle. Okay. Um, and you would just, if you just shot your gun, the deer would automatically try to jump in the water because I guess part of the AI, like that is illegal to shoot an animal while it's swimming. I'm not sure people would know that. So it's like, you can't, you can't do that and put a tag on it and say, you know, I shot this. So anyway, so that was part of the AI was that as soon as animals would hear, if they were in the vicinity, they'd run into it. Well, guess what? I'm just sitting there. I shoot my gun and I'm just like waiting with them to waiting for them to run down the hill. And I just murk like three or four <laughs> until I kill a fawn. And then it tells me game over oh. or they go in the water. and I shoot them and they're like, Hey man, I was like, he was close. He was just before he went in. Cops show up at your door. It's even illegal in games. Can't do it in those either. <laughs> <laughs> The park warden, yeah, the, or the game warden. The game warden shows up. Now to talk about Cabela's Big Game Hunter Adventure, or I think 2005 one, uh, and all of these, they are all are all obviously very similar. One thing that I really noticed and I kind of forgot about is all the stuff that you have to do before you actually start the games. Um, mm. It's so in depth in terms of what you have to purchase and what you have to outfit uh, for your character, uh, and just all the all the choices that you have to make. And it, it made me realize that. These games, especially these three games that we're talking about, aren't don't have that much of a focus on hunting itself, but more of the consumerism aspect behind hunting, and mm-hmm. which makes sense because these are Cabela's games, and that just was like a eureka moment. I was like, oh my god, like it's it's all about pushing you to buy stuff from Cabela's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Crazy. Well, yeah. that, I mean, that's what this time was like with Call of Duty. Like people signed up for the army because they liked Call of Duty, so it was the same idea. It was just glorifying. The hunting in this case and it makes sense that like it's kind of weird how a store had just complete control over this <laughs> yeah this type like it's a consumer st- a consumer product had the only hunting video game on the market or the only mainline hunting game on the market in the for like 10 years like 10 to 20 years yeah which is wild i can't think of anything else that did that i knew people that would drive like three and a half hours to go to the Bass Pro Shop, yeah, in Vaughan, Ontario, outside of Toronto, mm-hmm. because like, and, and and aside, like, those are actually like, if you go in there, like, my girlfriend loves to go in there and just like breathe and just feel <laughs> the energy, yeah, because it's like it's such a like an in, such a strange. Experience. That Vaughn one is really nice, by the way. That that it's is a really it is nice, nice. <laughs> huge store, right near Canada's Wonderland. You see it every time you go up to Canada's Wonderland. That's right. <laughs> but then you're like, "What's up? I can buy a goose decoy that costs fifteen <laughs> costs fifteen hundred dollars, and you're telling me I need eight of these? Damn. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this this game itself is is not the best. I do like that you can go first or third person, which is a little nice. Uh, easy mode has red dots for all the animals. Uh, so you can actually see where they are going to be on your mini map. Um, and the hard mode, I watched a couple people play hard mode. That looks like the most boring thing I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> That's when you need the Game Boy Advance version to play it while you're playing the other game. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Because <laughs> it's just, it's literally, you're just waiting the entire time. It's like, why It's it's why would I just go hunting? It's, it's a lot like fishing uh, sims in that sense. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, that one didn't seem like a great, game in general it seems like it was definitely meant to be played on the pc uh Mm -hmm. the pc version is actually like a completely different game now there's lots of more lots more maps available there's actually like better mods as well Mm -hmm. you can put on um in the game and obviously yeah these games aren't meant to or and aren't great to play on consoles no not really i mean like they had they had a decent amount of like animals that you could hunt too like it wasn't just deer and and yeah it was big game like 
They did. They did eventually have some pretty big game in there. Like they had Timberwolves and uh, an animal that I didn't know existed. It's called the peccary, or I hope I'm saying that right, P-E-C-C-A-R-Y. It's basically a medium-sized pig. Like it looks like a boar. Um, so like they got into it like with animals that you could hunt, I guess, in the States or uh, other areas of the world, I suppose. So like the first game there, the big big game hunter 2005 had 36 different animals plus like 11 fish or something weird like that and then outdoor adventures had 32 animals so a few a few less but you could you know fight uh coyotes and bobcats which is neat and then um cabela's dangerous hunt 2 which which i want to talk a little bit about this one right now they introduced yeti which everyone the fans were waiting (laughs) the fans were waiting for you to fight yeti Mm -hmm. so this is the this is the adventure mode of hunting games we we every every single hunting game uh every single game in the gamecube generation seems to be subject to having an adventure mode or adventure game and this is it they basically make call of duty with animals (laughs) basically you start up the you start up the game and right away it's kind of like got this red and black uh tribal looking menu screen almost like torok with like these drums pounding like it reminded me a mix of like torok and doom and cool yeah and if you check out the (laughs) box art marty just look it up right now it's basically this hunter who's skinning a deer of some kind uh, a buck and he's just about to get messed up by four wolves that are just about to trash him damn right you should have been you should have been quicker he should have been much quicker (laughs) you should have you should have had somebody watching him watching his uh Watch my six while I skin this deer. There could be wolves around. <laughs> and then the back of the case, the screenshots of these animals, whoever animated them, it's awful. And they're like up close, zoomed in, like all the animals have over-exaggerated teeth and claws. And it, it's just, that's just the box art. I know you can't judge a book or judge a game by its cover. But in this case, you can. This game is terrible but it's 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 not so much hunting in this game you're actually being hunted by predators so it's more of a defense game where you're just trying to survive and this is where hunting games sort of split into the more zany survival games where you're being hunted by predators as opposed to hunting deer and geese and and whatnot Uh, yeah i mean i'm just i'm curious at what point if like you know for example you know you're going to get x amount of um purchases from like hunting people guaranteed Mm -hmm. every year at what point does does everyone kind of look around at each other at like when they're developing the game and say let's try to like get the non-hunting crowd because this is not (laughs) what it's actually like but i could could, like conceive that someone would think this is what it's actually like or like have their really disbelief well like maybe just have like their disbelief suspended like they wouldn't be upset by this yeah this is great they wouldn't think twice whereas like someone who's like actually part of this like thing and who's done it before is like this is stupid why did I buy this? You know I, I mean? suppose so. I suppose so. I had a lot of trouble finding sales data for any Cabela game. Like I usually go to VG. I usually go to VGSales.com. That that's where I get a lot of my or VG charts. It tells you a lot about like how many games sold in what country. There was nothing on these games, which like you know Mike said, there's 45 Cabela games and none of them had any sales data <laughs> at all. Which maybe they don't have to give that out, being yeah. that they're not like a traditional video game. They're not the publisher, but they're. I guess they own the licensing rights, so they don't have to give out the sales data. Question mark. I, know I don't works, know. Yeah. Yeah. It's really strange, but the, these games came out every year, multiple a year. So people must have been buying them. Like hunting games must be big amongst a vocal, or a vocal minor, or vo- a non-vocal majority of people who play them and just don't <laughs> don't hype them up. Like these games are never at E3. There's never like this one guy at IGN that loves hunting games. Like you never hear about them, but they come out constantly. I don't get it. I would imagine that there's just a very state, like they have just a very stable, 
you know, base of people that will buy it or like a very predictable subsect. Like if you put the game out in November, like grandma's going to go and buy this game for mm-hmm. her child like, or not her child for her, her <laughs> grandchild. Like, you know what I mean? Like that would like, I feel like just with, you know, the existence of middle America, like that was totally possible to keep like a very like consistent and probably profitable to a certain mm-hmm. extent. Oh yeah. Franchise, right. And I mean, but but the thing is now is that these games have basically gone away since 2013. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of interesting that that we don't really get Cabela's games anymore. And I guess the the two biggest reasons that I can think of are one, like mobile games, just being able to play these hunting sims or just quick tap uh, hunting games on on uh, on your phone, and two, the fact that uh, Red Dead exists. I was going to say, like, hunting games are basically, a, it's funny how the, it, it's a big part of, or at least, like, a very memorable part of some of these bigger open world games, like like Red Dead and, like, I, I guess, you know, other games like uh, like Breath of the Wild that we talked about has a huge uh, hunting aspect to it as well. It's weird that they can't make games just based on that anymore. Like, it has to be just a part of another game that has a, a broad, uh, broad, like, story to it and acting and, and other parts of it, like, levels and missions and everything, but... You guys talk a little bit about Red Dead 2 now, because I know that uh, you both love that game, and the hunting in that game is actually incredible. Marty, you played Red Dead 2? Wow. I did. <laughs> okay. Did you play Red Dead 2? Wow. Uh, well, Marty Marty played Red Dead uh, 2 twice because his save got erased, and that was really sad. Ooh, I'm yeah, so sorry. A truly bizarre thing for a PlayStation to, like, if you just, like, unplugged it. Like, I just unplugged it uh with the game in it and then you just like booted it up and it gave me like it booted into like safe mode and it was like yeah no you're gonna need to like refresh the whole thing oh. like it, it didn't let me come back in i like it's bizarre like if you you could google it and just the people that it's happened to are like oh weird well <laughs> i don't like i don't know what to do because you can't unboot it out of safe mode yeah. and then you can't do anything so yeah huh. the second playthrough was as good as the first one um <laughs> yeah the, the the hunt like the hunting the hunting is is quite good and mm-hmm. the way that they sort of incorporated it into the game was very effective in a way that like it let you sort of do that at the end of the game or like as like do like the big trophy type yep. hunting stuff okay. and actually the way like the way that you do that's that's probably just a quick aside that's probably what these games were trying to find was that balance between realism and not where like mm-hmm. if i am playing red dead and i have to like track this like six thousand pound moose that doesn't <laughs> actually exist in the real life or like the like how the bear looked is like that's not a real animal but like at the same time like you still have to track it and find it and do all this extra work i could see someone thinking that's the way that that would be something very similar in grand theft auto 5 actually as well yeah, and, and that's, I mean, we talked a lot about already on this podcast on how GTA has made so many of these games where the, who do one thing really well uh, obsolete uh, because mm-hmm. GTA does them. Uh, and, you know, it, uh, but for hunting games and fishing games, Red Dead is, is seems to, like Rockstar again, seems to be taking that market because they're able to incorporate it in such a way in the story that you actually want to hunt. You know, you want to fish because you're, uh, either trying to upgrade your character or you're just you know trying to do whatever it's kind of fun mm-hmm. to just almost have this kind of life sim <laughs> and mm-hmm. hunting in red dead is so interesting to me because one the realism involved in it is, is really crazy like just you know google if you haven't played red dead just the like check out how like you can skin an animal in red dead and it's really very uh realistic 
uh, and mm-hmm. very graphic. Uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't expecting that when I first did it, and it kind of gives you it gives you an appreciation of of the, just how much work hunting is, I guess, in a sense. But it also doesn't make you want to just go out and hunt. You know what I mean? Uh, right. It gives you like almost like a solidarity. I know I don't know if I'm explaining that right, but maybe you can explain it better, Marty. <laughs> I I, th- I think I know I think I know what you mean because it's like it's 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 just it's just playable enough. I think it's almost in the sense that like Medal of Honor does Medal of Honor doesn't make me want to go out and just like, kill a bunch of people and or like join the army. Where Call of Duty is much more of a glorifying of violence in in, right. in my eyes, at least. You know that's obviously opinion, but. Uh, so it gives you enough, like, it gives you an appreciation of hunting without making you want to go out and do it. And, I mean, I, like, if, if, if a hunting game was really realistic, you'd play the game for 10 hours and maybe kill one thing. And that's not fun. That's the problem, is that it does need to be at least somewhat fun. And it's really hard to make a standalone fishing game anymore when you can fish in pretty much any video game. And it's good enough. And it comes with so much extra extra goodies in that game that you can play, you can do. You can also go hunt or go drive your ATV off a cliff if you want to. And... And have fun doing that. But if you just have to stand on a boat listening to piano music, I don't think anybody's going to be into that anymore. It's just the gaming industry has evolved so it's so dramatically in 20 years that it's impossible to go back now. I, I think that there is. I think that there is a market for a realistic hunting game, like the way that sim like now the way that like mm-hmm. simulators are and the amount of people that play something like Train Simulator. Because like let's be honest, yeah, a real hunting game. You wake up at five, your body hurts, it's dark. <laughs> You have to put your you have to put your pants on. You managed to Why make coffee. Why does your body hurt? Because it's because it's like it's because you didn't get that much sleep. You didn't get that much sleep because you you stayed okay. up to like ten and you're like ow okay and then you get up. You have to make like coffee. It tastes like, <laughs> and then you're like all right well it I'll just uh, have a granola bar and then I'll walk out there and then you get out there at like seven. You're pretty alert for like a half hour. Then you fall asleep for an hour. And then you wake up and then you thought you heard a deer, but you're like, ah, it probably wasn't that. And then you sit out there till nine and then go back to the camp. But Uh that's like, I think people might actually enjoy something like that. But I mean, in a way that kind of leads into the next thing I want to talk about, which is the long dark, because a lot of the hunting community or that, you know, that community who played these games, whether it was growing up or whether it was recently, a lot of them have gotten into this game called the long dark. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Marty? I, th- <laughs> I think I can talk about it. It's like a, it's a survival game based in the Canadian wilderness. So it's just you, obviously. And believe it or not, it's cold. So you can't really g- grow food. So you just have to rely on killing animals. So the game, the game, as Mike's played a little bit of it, and I'm not sure how much you talked about in the intro, it is very like cutthroat and very difficult and like, you die all the time and it's like, you know, you don't, you don't get it back. It's like a survival game. If you're dead, you're dead. You lose all your, your um, progress. But like the way that they balance it is that like, if you kill a moose or a bear and there's deer and rabbit as well, but moose and the bear are big ones. Like if you kill that, you're good. Like you're, you're alive for at least like two weeks. Right. So you're like super pumped. Cause that just like gives you enough food to keep going. And like, that's maybe something like, like especially Cabela's big game hunter joke. Like these games, like they don't, there's like, there's no pay, like there's no, the, like you kill the, like the manged, like bright red moose that you've been dropped in front of. That's like considered like some, like sort of like Yeti, like moose or whatever. And then you mm-hmm. kill it and it's like, oh, that's it. Next thing. Like there's no like reward to it. Right. Where, where in something like the long dark now, Mike, I'm not sure how many people in the hunt, hunting community have latched on to long dark. Maybe you know more than I do, but 
it does have that element of something actually like paying off, right? It was it was interesting when I you know I was obviously doing research for this episode and I was going on Reddit, I was going on um, uh, just different hunting forums and stuff like that for games. And one thing a lot of people were kind of talking about Cabela's games and almost lamenting that they don't exist anymore, but also saying how bad some of them were as well, which was kind of mm-hmm. nice to see um, that they don't all have rose colored glasses. But I, I, I did notice a lot of people saying either like playing the long, currently playing the long dark or um, like talking about the long dark, which I was a little surprised about at first. And then I realized I'm like, yeah, this is where a lot of these people would go. Uh, mm-hmm. This this relatively um, inexpensive game that you can play on any platform, basically, that gives you a real challenge in terms of survival and makes it uh, pretty enjoyable to keep playing over and over again. The, repl- the replayability of something like The Long Dark is infinite, uh, really, in my uh, in my opinion. And it rates pretty well, too. Like, it gets into, like, the high sevens, which it, it's kind of weird to see, like, the hunting games. They never seem to do, like, nines and tens, like like Call of Duties do or Halo, like, like shooters and platformers like Mario. Like, the hunting games never seem to crack critically very well. Like, there's Hunting Simulator, which uh, we, we talk a little bit about. There's I think there's two of those now. Uh, they came out in 2017 and 2020. Again, like sixes and sevens for the most part in terms of reviews. But if you Google, like just look up best hunting video games, those are the ones that come up are the hunting simulator games, which are straight just hunting. And then like games like Monster Hunter, which I guess is technically a hunting game as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, don't then, sell. Yeah. I mean, years ago, people used to hunt monsters to survive. You know that, right? It's, it's, it's historically correct. That's very accurate. There. That's accurate. Uh, but then, yeah, you got like Cabela and then Cabela's African Safari. So it gets into the more just not hunting games than like Far Cry, which there's hunting in those games. Yes, but... Those games are unrealistic. So in terms of like just a straight up simulator game, it seems like the hunting simulator, literally the name of the game, is the the way to go. Whereas the long dark is a bit more of like, it adds that survival element to it, yes. almost like a, a Last of Us kind of thing, uh, which people love. Like people love to have a little bit of, I guess there has to be some skin in the game for the game to be interesting. Like if, you, if you're just a guy hunting on the weekend, it's not fun. Uh, but if your life is at stake or the game is over, I guess that's what you have to do to make the game exciting. So I can see why that would appeal to a lot of people. Yeah, it, yeah. it's tough to, there's a, uh, I was on the Long Dark Reddit and someone had linked to a game that looked, I, I don't have the name in front of me right now, but it looked like a, it looked like Cabela's basically, but it was like in a, in a, in a proper open world. And oh, just, wow. You could ride an ATV and people were like, yeah, pumped about this game. And someone's like, yeah, yeah, totally pumped. And I like looked at it being like, what are these nerds on about? Cause this just looks like you're just driving around an ATV, like shooting a bear. Like you, as soon as you like immediately dismount and shoot a bear from like five feet away. But yeah, yeah it's like, uh, maybe there, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's a market. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that 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 market is out there. It's it's kind of the, the hunting and fishing market really in general has fractured a bit in that sense because it's not just one game anymore. It's not just Cabela's. There, there's there's a lot more options out there on a lot more platforms. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious to where you know where these games will go in the future. Uh, Marty, do you do you want to just you know uh, we'll do some final thoughts here, but do you want to just talk about where do you think hunting games are going to go? It's a great question. I think it's it's either it either has to come through survival games because mm-hmm. there's a because there's another payoff, or it has to come like as another element to something like Red Dead Redemption, mm-hmm. because these games have proven that at least from like a big mainstream hit, because these games have proven in like 
the two the two thousands era that like you know you can't really do the arcade thing because it's on a GameCube. Sorry, <laughs> uh, and then and then you can't you know you you can't you can't have that element just you know for many reasons. I just think it has to come through a different a different part and just you know maybe to elaborate on that maybe that's okay like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Y- you mentioned mike all these people sort of going to a different game just because it has that element plus and it's like they're probably fine with that like someone may genuinely pick up a game like the long dark because i can shoot a bear and like that's what <laughs> i focus the game around no because like that's yeah. what i focus my entire game around is how many i can shoot like that like that totally makes sense so um uh, it's gonna go nowhere until someone comes out with like a sweet like uh like open world thing that's easily moddable so there's like thousands of maps and stuff that'll come in like 2028 yeah that's that's probably true i think that a hunting game like based on the hunting uh i guess culture of you know going out on the weekend you go to bass pro you grab your gear you go for the weekend i don't think that those types of games will ever be big until they do make a huge open world game where you can explore an entire state or an entire province kind of like that that would be kind of sweet but i think if you make it a hunting game around a a culture of people or uh, i guess a society or civilization where they had to hunt to survive like the long dark and you can make it look good like the long dark is a good game but it looks rough but if you can make the game look like a triple a game like red dead but it's based around like a tribe or something of, of people who have to hunt otherwise they die uh that would be way more interesting it just it seems like when when it's live or die uh, to hunt, it would be a lot more interesting mm-hmm. as opposed to just someone who has to go back to his accounting job on Monday. <laughs> you know, like it, there's a difference there in terms of like the hunting where you, you drive up in your in your four by four or your pickup truck uh, as opposed to you're leaving your your hut or whatever it is to go hunt. Like there is something to be said about the mindless fun hunting games. You know, mm-hmm. I totally get it and I understand that because I you know I, I I have mindless fun with playing. All kinds of games, uh, you know, when I just want to just sit down and not think for for a second. But I, but I do definitely think that the retail influence games like Cabela's are gone. I they will never come back because it, it it's it's not worth it for Bass Pro Shops to to no. ha- to license this and put all this money into this stuff. Uh, not not nowadays. It just there's just too much out there. There's so much saturation in the game market. Uh, there's no way they'll ever go back to that. Uh, I honestly would be surprised if we ever see a Cabela's game again. We might see like a Cabela's collection or things mm-hmm. like that, but I, I don't ever see a, a new, brand new Cabela's game coming out. Okay, I think, hold on, yeah. hold on. Cabela's <laughs> okay. Bass Pro Shop VR shopping experience. <laughs> cart racer. Yeah, well, yeah, you're in the cart when you're in the shop. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yes, yes, okay, that's really cool. <laughs> and, then, and then you can have a shopping experience in VR. I think that that's a great idea. <laughs> that's so sick. Yeah, okay. That'd actually be a lot of fun exploring it because you're right. The, the Bass Pro Shop experience is is like no other. It's almost like Toys R Us. Like it's similar to that. Yeah. Or go to There's sale. something for everyone. There's just something for everyone at a at a Bass Pro Shop. Yeah, just like just going through the t-shirts in VR, and there's like just like a, there's just like a there's just like a Kenny Chesney shirt. That's just I've like never camouflage. seen this hat before. I've yeah, exactly. This. <laughs> yeah, this this hat's slightly different than the other one that I saw earlier. And then you move to the next aisle, and you're just it's looking at hats. the guns, and you touch the guns, and someone someone tells you, "Hey, don't do that." And you're like, "Okay." And then you move into the next area. Like it's just, you know, I love that. I would that would be fantastic. That's a game we want, Nintendo. You heard us publish that game, please. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hilarious. 
Well, Marty, thank you very much for coming on the show today. It's been a pleasure having you, as always, and I'm glad we got to find out how many ducks you could fight. Yeah, what was the number again? What was Four. the number that... Or three. three. No, it was three. three. It was three. It was three. We're locking in. <laughs> three pretty comfortably. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> Take care, buddy. See ya. Is, is Scott? Oh, okay. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you, Marty, for joining the show mm-hmm. once again and having some great insight on hunting games in general and some good hunting facts, too, that I learned Yeah, today. learning about killing animals in the water, which you cannot do. And uh, I learned yeah. a little bit about the Canadian goose, that you actually can kill them. I didn't know that. That's good to know. I'm mm-hmm. going to start looking into that first thing tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. There's actually a bunch of uh, side tangent here. There's like a whole group of uh, baby geese near my house, Mike. I saw that picture. That's yeah. Really cute. Really oh, man. Cute. There's like 20 or 30 of them. It's wild. I yeah. love baby geese are the cutest things on the planet. Once they're adults, they're just assholes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> just, a, just a known fact. And exactly. Mike, before we close out the show today, though, we have not read the back of the cases yet. I was wondering if now would be a good time. Uh, yes. I'm sorry that we forgot to. Do- well, I guess that we really couldn't because no. there wasn't like, yeah, yeah. There's only three and it's it's pretty fast. Don't worry. First up, we have Cabela's Big Game Hunter 2005 Adventures, which is a terrible name. We didn't actually talk about that. It's a bad name. Hunting's Ultimate Adventure. For the first time ever, hunt 36 big game animals across North America in gigantic regions with a wide variety of terrain. Choose from thousands of authentic gear options that could mean the difference between survival and demise in vast territories as you track your prey. This will redefine the hunting genre. It didn't. It did not, no. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Next, we had Cabela's Outdoor Adventures. The great outdoors are calling. Take the hunting and fishing expedition of a lifetime with 22 adventures across North America and beyond. Stock monster bucks and trophy big game, or stop off and fish the local waters. Experience the sights and sounds of true-to-life outdoor adventure, where stealth, strategy, and technique are of utmost importance. Yep. And last (laughs) but not least, we have... Cabela's Dangerous Hunts 2. Take on the world's most dangerous animals. It's just a list. 20 ferocious animals, 12 (laughs) exotic locations, global hunting, guided hunts, long-range hunting, short-range hunting. Gotta have both. Helicopter hunts. That sounds awesome. (laughs) Face-to-face encounters, traps, boss animals, yeti, secret levels, and much, much more. That game is just such a ridiculous, ridiculous game. Oh, man. I think that that's probably going to be my game today to recommend that folks pick up is uh, Cabela's Dangerous Hunts 2. How much was that, Neil? Like 15 bucks. If you can find Cabela's Dangerous Hunts 2 for 15 bucks, you should absolutely get it because it's just a train wreck of a game. Yeah. Uh, it's an experience. <laughs> there's so many glitches. The graphics are are just awful for 2005. And it's uh, it's just, yeah, it's a good good experience to have for an hour and then you never have to play it again. I was going to say, here, here's the deal. If you're listening to the show now, the odds are you have something newer than a GameCube kicking around your house. You can find a better hunting experience on a PC, a PS4, Switch. There's better hunting games out there now. None of these games are better than anything that came after them. You might as well go back and have a little fun. And you're going to have a little fun with uh, Cabela's Dangerous Hunts too. I, I hope. Exactly. Yeah, so my real recommendation would be to pick up The Long Dark. It's a very inexpensive game you can play on any console, basically, and I love it. Marty absolutely loves it. He's on day 250, I think, in his survival mm-hmm. mode, uh, which is just insane. I think the max you can get is 500, so he's he's doing really well. Wow. Uh, my max, I think, is 15. <laughs> oh, survived. Wow. So it's, it's a very hard game and uh, a lot of fun and has a really good hunting aspect to it where you do have to hunt to survive. So it's uh, 
not necessarily a hunting specific game, okay. but a, a game that you would really enjoy if you are into hunting games. I meant to ask about the long dark. If you don't play it, does your character die? Like, does the play clock keep going? No, if you no, don't? no, no. So it no. pauses. Okay, that would yeah, be yeah. that would be really hardcore if it, if you, you had to like like a tamagotchi, like you had to feed the player, that they had to hunt. Like, you got to go play no. long dark, otherwise my character's gonna die. And it's Canadian, so uh, That's right. uh, always got to support that. I did want to say one thing before we close out this episode: Magic Wand Productions. We didn't talk about them at all. They are the production, or they are the developers who made all these uh, games uh, for the GameCube. They are a Romanian developer mm-hmm. who basically only did Cabela's and one other game, Neil NPPL Championship Paintball for the Wii in two thousand eight. Yes, I love that. They made a <laughs> random paintball game as well for the Wii, which was why are there paintball games? What's well, a shooting game? Any any game that. <laughs> had a gun in it was on Wii, really like any activity you can think of that required you to shoot something at someone else was on Wii, basically that's fair that's fair maybe that game's worth picking up we should check that out sometime <laughs> that'll, that'll be our next one to pick up <sighs> maybe i got some gamecube games to buy before then so mike why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect on next week's episode of the gamecube school podcast Next week on episode 52, we're going to be talking about puzzle games and what we mean by puzzle games. That's uh, Bomberman, Tetris, uh, Super Bubble Pop, all those kind of games that were out and still are out today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is actually going to be a fun one because it's uh, it's a very lasting genre. Basically, all these franchises are still around. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where games almost came from. When you think about puzzles, like puzzles are as old as time almost like I don't know what the oldest puzzle is. That's actually a good piece of trivia. I'm going to find out now. But find that out. Definitely. But the puzzle, every console has puzzle games on it. They're timeless. They're eight, like any age can play it. It's what made the Game Boy huge right off the bat was Tetris yep. on Game Boy. Puzzle games have just made certain consoles huge, uh, depending on the puzzle on them. Even iOS games nowadays, almost yeah. every major game is a puzzle game like Candy Crush or something. So it's found its way everywhere, really. And uh, it's going to be fun to talk about it on the GameCube. And we're doing it for Tetris's 37th anniversary. Uh, that day june 6th 1984 that's so that's crazy. pretty cool i love tetris uh we're going to talk a bit about some of our favorite puzzle games as well not necessarily on gamecube but just games that we played as kids because a time before phones and when internet was around uh everywhere we had just had puzzles to do on our free time that's what you did that's what you did yeah but until then ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening to episode 51 of the gamecube is cool podcast we have new episodes every thursday on all the major podcast services leave us ratings and reviews so we can make the show better if you want to support the show you can find us on patreon we are the gamecube was cool you can also follow us on instagram we are at the gamecube pod share us with your friends and family tell mark davis neil says hi (laughs) thank you so much for the support and we will see you next week take care bye-bye Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. GameCube.